Welcome in, everybody, to this episode of Discard for Magic. As always, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm James, or Jexic, the other host. And today we're excited to bring on Water D. Hi there. So, for those who don't know, Water D is one of the best players in the community and a faction expert with many factions. But today we're going to be talking about the Breakers. But before we get to that, uh, Water D, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you came to Summoner Wars? The way I found out of Summoner Wars is the Dice Tower, actually. I am trying to think where to start the story, and I'm I'm, I'm starting to think about the Big Bang, really. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, because every every story starts there. Uh, I was testing for a game called Yummy. There, there is a guy called David Serlin, which is he's now creating uh, war games. And at the time, he was testing Yummy, and I knew him. And after I started uh, testing that game, I found out about more war games. I didn't know war games had a, like a new era of war games, so to speak. So I started to find out the games, looking at videos, and at one point I looked, uh, I found out about Summer Wars. Summer Wars reminded me about uh, a game I used to love, which is called Warlords Watercry. If anyone ever played that game, it's a PC game, a real-time strategy game, it's, he's going to find a lot of similar things to Summer Wars. And yeah, it's just because of that reason I was uh, interested, I, I got it, then I played it. The, the first thing I I did was to play with my cousin, and I actually kind of loved it the first place, but after a few plays I found the problem that uh, everyone knows before, which is nobody wanted to attack. Just we were playing and just, okay, you attack, no, I don't, I don't want to move, I mean, I, I don't want to, and I found that that like the first day, I think I was spending like the sixth game or something. And then we play another game, and we, we, we will get into that situation again and again. And I was like, what, what is this? So I wanted online. I just uh, went to the forums, and then, well, a lot of the community know what happened there. You became kind of a controversial figure because everyone just loved the game, and they didn't want to hear anything bad about it. And here you were saying, hey, here's this flaw. And you were people were like, what flaw? If there's no flaw, you don't play the game right, or something like that. <laughs> So uh, I actually noticed there was something amazing about the game, but that was a problem. Oh, of course, uh, there's enough the first time I play a game and I found a problem. Actually, Warlords of Watercry, the game and name, had a similar issue. That's why I found that David Tillman, which I named before, it was I was playing Warlords of Watercry right, and it was very abusive, and the community also disliked me for pointing out the problems. So someone named David Sterling, who is a guy that talks about that, about that mentality, about people wanting to, I, I don't know how to say it, but say that you should, if you are not playing the game right, if you find a problem, right? Uh, he, was, he, he was famous for saying in fighting games, people, there are some fighting games where there are infinites or loops, and people use that, and other people tell them, hey, you're not playing it right. So yeah, it's funny that I, I, was ha I was having that problem with Warlord Rattacry, I found David Sirlin, testing his game, I found Summer Awards, and then I found the same problem. I, I, and in that game and other games, I, I create house rules, and that's what immediately did with uh, Summer Awards. But yeah, at first I was like very annoyed at, about that, but I did actually not play Summer Awards for a while, until I got to play online with the new, uh, in Basel, with the master set. 
And I, I thought it was just so much fun that, okay, I, yeah, I just decided to play anyway. And uh, yeah, that's how I got into Summer Wars. Do you think that uh, second edition has done a, a pretty good job of addressing that turtling issue or the, the non-attacking issue? Like, no question. Obviously, uh, there's no problem there. I think, uh, I mean, I have tried to break Summer Wars second edition and I just, like, there is nothing to break. The system works uh, very well. I mean, th there, there is some problems uh, in some endgame scenarios that are very awkward. Yeah, we had a game last night, actually, that was pretty yeah, awkward. Yeah, like we had that, that kind of... And I think it could be better, but it's just a very, very... I mean, the game is... It's just weird, but the game works, right? And it's just... Those games, I have one of those games every, like, 200 games or something. They're weird, but they're not broken, right? The, the system still works. So, yeah, definitely second edition. I, I think uh, Colby wanted... We were testing. I was a tester, for those that know. I was a tester since very early on, even when the rules were tested. We tested a lot of rules. A lot of rules. I think people have no idea how many, how crazy ideas Colby throw to us. And we tested. I think Colby wanted to not have that kind of problem. I think he, he never said it in, uh, in public, but he was very annoyed by those problems. Like, he, he realized I was right to some level. Not right. I mean, other people also found that problem online. That, I mean, I wasn't the only one. With, I just was the most open about it, if you, if you say it. And yeah, he, he, made, he did a great work at it, and I think that's why I think second edition is so good. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're definitely one of the more vocal and opinionated players, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just something we all got to understand, <laughs> you know? <laughs> one of the things, people often think I'm, I'm aggressive because I put that kind of opinions, but I never, like, I never got, I never talk against a player. I never, it's just, yeah, I, I want to, I'm obsessed with games being, I don't know if perfect, but the reason I'm so vocal about something is because I, I, I like it so much. Uh, the reason I'm so, like, if I don't like the game, I wouldn't play it, but because the game is so good in some aspects. I think Summer Wars is such a good game in some aspects. I, it, the, 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 the flaws annoy me. I, I always think that critics, when you find flaws in things, I think it's, it's, it's a show of kind of love for something. Right, because if you don't love it, you just don't care. You just move on. I don't move on because I love the game, so I want to be as good as it can be. And I think some people miss that. Yeah, I think that says a lot about like the game itself. And also, I appreciate the fact that you're so vocal in the community. We often disagree and go back and forth on different topics, but having that other voice and seeing those other opinions is always helpful to like change your mindset or think about it in a different way. So I think that's good. I have this issue sometimes where uh, I say, oh, you see it lately, I say a faction, I don't like the faction or that faction is weak or strong. And people think that I'm saying it like, uh, there's no, no discussion. Uh, like for sure it's like this. And I, I, no, it's just, I want to say my, my current opinion. I think I might be wrong. And I want sometimes to tell me why I'm wrong. But I think many people don't feel comfortable just trying to contradict me or just get annoyed that I'm saying something negative instead of just saying, okay, this is, I don't know, just... Well, I think sometimes you want to be proven wrong. Like, you'll say, this yeah. is the thing I think, and you'd like for it to not be true. Like, when you were saying you thought Martin Vargath were bad at the, when they were released, you said, someone please show me that they're good. You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I played against several players that uh, sent me a, 
uh, a private message, and we played a lot. And actually, it changed uh, somewhat my mind. Uh, some players, I actually Canela Al Canela is doing a great show with them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm very happy to see that actually they're a lot better than I thought. I still think they're a little weak, but uh, they're a lot better than initially. Yeah, I don't think they're like the best faction in the game or anything like that, but I don't think they're weak either. I think they're more just like uh, somewhere in the middle of the pack, maybe lower middle of the pack, but they're a fun faction to play. Yeah, they're, they're fun. I, I, ne I never questioned that. I think, especially because <laughs> I don't like the Gibson Order, I don't think they're very fun to me. Uh, but I think the mountain, the mountain Vargas uh, are extremely fun. They, they are super. They, they, that, that wasn't the discussion I was having. The thing that struck me with the Crimson Order is I just like the art for them. I think I just like the the overall just like glow and like the I don't know. They just have a cool look about them, so I want to like them, even though I'm not very good with them either. <laughs> I think that a lot of people will like the Crimson Order more because the art is amazing than because they're actually fun to play. They want to play with that art, you know? Just uh, That's why uh, I might be wrong. Maybe some people really enjoy its playstyle. I think the playstyle is very straightforward. Almost reminds me of Summer Wars 1, right? Uh, some factions that are kind of, well, I just move my things forward. And even attack your own units, some guys. I started doing that to try to heal up. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with that. but uh, In this game, I mean. Uh, it's just... Yeah, I think I, I don't think they're very very fun. Actually, I think and actually I'm starting to. I, I was seeing the numbers. I don't think they are that strong either. They seem very strong, but once you learn the tricks, you realize that you can play around most of his power. For now, I'm just actually I'm starting to think a mountain burger might be stronger than them. Really? Because the mountain burger has a lot of tricks. You know, it's uh, in the end with once you learn the factions, the factions that are very hard to think about because they have so many options, which are the Mountain Bargat, become a lot hard, stronger than factions like the Crimson Order. Like, I can see in my head everything the Crimson Order can do because it's not that much. There is no way I can think everything the Mountain Bargat can do. And that gives you the trash. I think we just need to figure out which faction Prophet's going to play at the start of the season. <laughs> it's looking then... <laughs> like Crimson Order because he played both. He's in the top 10, I believe, still for both. But he's gotten more games or more wins with the Crimson Order. Oh, really? I thought he, I thought he said he was going to do Mountain Vargas. He Varga. did say he was going to do Mountain Vargas, but I saw he was in the top 10 for both rankings, and he has a higher ranking with Crimson Order. But I just think that, I don't know, out of the last four factions, I feel like High Elves might be the strongest, but maybe that's controversial. I 100% agree. High Elves might be one of the strongest factions. Yeah, sure. High Elves are really good. Prophet actually um, is now higher with Mount Vargrath after last night, so... I say for sure. For sure is what I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they, it feels really, really stronger. They're, they're very scary. Yeah, I think Crimson Order, uh, and we can get into this more maybe a little later, but I think they're a strong faction. They might be, like, top five. Um, I just think their long game's so good, and when you have strong players positioning them, it's hard to get around their just immense amount of units. Like, I played... Orange Lazarus Crimson Order the other day with my Mountain Vargrath, and it came down to the wire. It was very close, but he took the cake just on he has more units, and I couldn't out-econ him at the end. I'm undefeated currently with the Crimson Order, but I've only played, like, six games or whatever, so. Well, I, I could talk, do a whole podcast about how to beat the Crimson Order, but I don't know if you want to derail the, the podcast. Oh, we're here maybe, for today. Maybe the next one. 
why don't we uh, get into the breakers? What do you think are some good tips for people starting to play the breakers? I think the, I think the breakers is one of the most underplayed. I don't think many people like them, which makes. I mean, this goes into talking about what are his the mistakes people do with them. I think people don't like them because they try to play them in a way that doesn't work with them. I think uh, there's a lot of talk in the community where I say that factions need to be played in a certain way to be good, and I think uh, the breakers. Also, there is a way you have to play them, in my opinion. And people, when they play Breakers first, they don't recognize that there are ranged factions. I I, I know why people try to play Breakers as Terra Melee. They go forward with the Kulu, with uh, the Seavers. They send, like, Wind Archers right in the middle of battle, and then, yeah, they run out of resources and they lose. I'm not surprised. I think Show said that Breakers don't do well in numbers, and I think uh, the reason is... Uh, I think the reason is that, is, is that, yeah, if you play Rakers as if they're a melee faction, you're going to lose. So my first step is, accept their range factions, keep the distance, you don't want to fight at middle range. The second thing is, people are obsessed with assassinating with Rakers. Rakers have a great assassination tools, and th this happens with every faction that has good assassination tools. People say, okay, I have good assassination tools, so I have to assassinate. But I think a problem is people seeing assassination as a strategy and it's a tactic. What I mean with this is, is you shouldn't get into a game thinking, yeah, I'm going to kill the opponent summoner uh, from the start, right? I, I, I won't uh, care about the economy. I will just, if you do that against a good player that just understand that you're coming at him, he's just going to cluster, put his summoner in a safe place, and you're going to spend a lot of resources just. Uh, maybe you're going to damage the summoner, but w once you take like half his life, uh, then it's there's not going to be any more resources to, to, to finish it off. Assassination is a tactic in the sense that you should... Sometimes you have free pokes to the opponent's summoner when they try to take advantage of it. And once you did enough damage, then you, you, you should start thinking, okay, I, have, I did all that free damage without spending resources. Now... To finish off the game, I need to spend the extra resources to finish off. What I mean is, people sometimes, like, against a full health summoner, send a wine archer to die. I mean, sending a wine archer doesn't do that much damage, right? For ranged, it's not that much. And if you send it uh, next to the opponent summoner, and then it gets killed very easily because true life is very easy to take on, you, you spend a lot of magic just to not do enough. I think that's another. Uh, and there's the same, sometimes it's even worse, they, they, they use not to call to remove the blocker and then send the wine archer and they, you're spending so much resources and he's going to just send back the summoner, put two gates down and then you, you, you have no resources to play the, the tuition gate. So that's another tip. And yeah, the third, the third thing is the strength of the deck is, is mind which wine mage deceiver combo. That's the strength of the deck. You need to focus on just... Those are the three units. They're going to start. Everything else is an accessory to that. Even the Kulu. And I think people don't, don't summon them enough and just understand... And, and set up the world in a way that favors them. Which, which means keeping the distance. Just trying to... To protect your mind witch with your deceiver and having your wine mage around to just do all the economic moves, so to speak. Would you... 
say that you try to summon all 12 of those in a game, like each deceiver, each mind witch, and maybe from the 12 copies, I mean, total, yeah, I mean, generally, I summon 10 at least. If you can, sometimes you can 12, but sometimes you just can't, and especially if you want to summon uh, two champions, you probably can. And I think there are many games you want to summon both champions. And when you say two, you mean both, all, like Goldoon and, and Kalal? That's yeah, the two champions the Reekers have. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna ask. You said two champions, like they don't have a third. Are you saying you don't uh, you don't value Galwark? I think it's 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 too bad. I mean, I don't think the champ. I mean, the champ is bad. I think it's weak. With that said, isn't the wrong deck because what I was talking about strategy. That it's not what the deck tries to do. And flight is a very powerful ability. But in Ava, it works well because the whole army wants to just uh, dive in. You you don't have anything to dive in, even. Like, what are you going to dive? Like, the Wind Archer? The Wind Archer is going to get there anyway if he really wants to. I don't know, it's just... Some, there are one in 200 games where I see Warlock win a game. Maybe it's your last champion and you summon it. And sometimes you take... I've taken people by surprise and I've sometimes keep it in hand to surprise people and it works sometimes sometimes it doesn't but yeah in general it doesn't it doesn't fit the deck that's the main problem but also the stats are a little too low since you don't want Galwork in the deck i petition a trade eater for Galwork. we'll put Galwork in the cave goblins give them all <laughs> flight i think it's a good trade i see Galwork in the cave goblins would be a lot better for sure. It would be terrifying. <laughs> flying beast riders. Yeah, flying beast riders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's in many decks. You want it in an aggressive deck. I, I mean, it would be better in the Wayfarers. Yep, yep. It would it would be good in Wayfarers for sure. But the Kudu doesn't want to do that. I think it'd be good in like Tundra Orcs and pretty all kinds of decks that don't that they don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be great in Cave Goblins just because they have the magic and they don't they don't need it. Here's an use. Let's talk about when you can use Warlord other than you have to summon it because it's your last summoner. Your last champion, sorry. Sometimes you see the opponent against a very aggressive player. It also works versus one of the hardest matches with Polar Dwarves. Sometimes Svara just pushes too much and you can see that that's the, the, the attitude of the opponent and you can keep Warlord in hand and surprise Svara. And I, this is that's the hardest matchup. So I recommend any trick you can use to win. <laughs> Sometimes Guadalc works because it's surprised for our players, and actually it can go through all the gates and all the. And yeah, maybe a hail mary like Guadalc surprising Svara is how you win that matchup. Sometimes, so that's a use. But yeah, if you see your opponent just diving in with your with, with the opponent summoner, sometimes Guadalc is is the answer. I mean, it has a role in the deck. But I I already summoned it once in every like, and I don't know if two hundred games, but maybe one in a fifty games is where I summon. So that I wouldn't say he's very popular. Now talking about some of the other champs, I think Kalal is underrated, and people don't always see the value there. Every time I have to fight Kalal, I hate it because she's so hard to take down because of the range and the push. Um, how often do you think you summon her, and what do you see her uses being? Well, Kalal is actually my favorite champ because, I mean, the only reason I don't summon her is if I if he comes in the first hand, then I have to discard it and accept it. Most of the time, I need to discard her, 
but otherwise it's my favorite champ first because it works every time you, you know doesn't matter what's the flow of the game you want her which is already great uh but i agree she's terrifying uh i don't think she's that good because it's very expensive but she's good i mean she's she's terrifying she's very hard for a lot of factions to live with i think that's another thing that i see people do with with her just just try to use her kind of as a melee champion and the, the, her strength is that you can't kill her if you play her well. It's very, very hard to kill. Sometimes I have her alive for like six, seven turns, which is insane. Uh, yeah, sometimes people use it in a way that dies in the two turns. Yeah, if you kill her dies in two turns, she's useless. The power of her is that killing her is very, very hard. Very easy to protect her. She protects herself. Against uh, melee units, she can't even attack them and move them away and they can reach her. So, yeah, I think she's, uh, she's a similar uh, a champion, I would say, somewhere that you should always try to go for. And actually, it's very, very, very scary to face off. And I think it's very annoying. And, and the, the most important thing, in endgame scenarios, she's, she's game-winning. I, I try to... I mean, I can't decide when they summon her, so to speak, because it's hard to keep a, a champion for the end of the game. But when she comes at the end, it's the best time. It's when... At, when the opponent used more of the, her tri the tricks, most of the like the potential blowouts, and then she comes out and she shall win. She wins the games. And I, yeah, I feel like the fact that her ability has three range is huge because she can hit something from max range and then push it out of range. Yeah, it's hard. Melee units can't touch her, and range doesn't do that much damage, obviously. And obviously, you can protect her with the sievers. Just put any anything in front of her, and it's it's, it's worth it. Like if you need to use a wine mage in front of her, do it because it's it's, it's better for the wine mage to die than she gets uh, damaged. Something it happens at end game is you, which I think is very funny, is when you you control a unit with with a Kulu and then uh, use uh, that unit to protect uh, Kalal after she attacks. You you control the unit, then force the unit in front of Kalal. So I like to do that. I play breakers, which isn't very often. They're not. They're not one of my favorite factions. I I tend to lean towards Galdun just because of the cheaper cost. But it, it, that one or two magic is just like so much more. Yeah. So that one magic, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it 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 feels like a lot sometimes when you're in the game and you're like, ah, I I don't have a way to get that extra magic, so I'm gonna just go with Galdun this time. The problem with Galdun is 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 twofold. One is. He is a master of losing breakers games. And with that, I mean, if you're not careful, it's very easy to just summon Guldun, get Guldun killed, and then you lost the game, basically. So I think it's very hard to use. It needs to be in that very specific scenario where he's not going to die. Also, you need to be able to take advantage of all his attack power. You need a unit. You need... It's very hard to, to take advantage of Guldun. That's why sometimes I don't summon it. It's very necessary for some matchup and situations, especially versus like Vara or any fact. I mean, it's, it's the best thing you have when you, you have your opponent summoner in your territory, bringing gates. It's the best gate killer. But other than that, I prefer to not use it. I mean, this, that scenario is very common because it's how you, you beat breakers, right? I mean, one of the way, ways to beat breakers is bringing the summoner to the breaker side and start pulling out gates. And if the breakers player doesn't respond to that well, 
Breakers loses. And I think that's one of the reasons Breakers are not very popular. If, they, if an opponent comes in and start putting gates, I think it's, it's, it's very hard to respond. You need to learn how to manage those situations. And it's not easy. And I think a lot of people just feel like this is how I, I think things go. Uh, after facing the situation and, and feeling Breakers don't have a good response to that, I just feel like uh, demotivated to keep playing them. But uh, I know how to how to teach how to respond to those situations because it depends a lot on the matchup. But one of the ways to yeah. respond is Guldun, right? Guldun can take gates very fast, and uh, actually Guldun works well in very close scenarios. When I say close, I mean those games where there's a lot of gates everywhere and you can't move. Well, that's the breaker's worst scenario, and that's Guldun's best scenario. So that's why I think it's very important to deal with the worst of the breaker situation. But other than that, I think it's very, very dangerous play. So I'm not, yes. I'm, I'm not so keen on him as I'm with Kalal, where it always shines. Yeah, I've definitely had games where I'm playing breakers against like Tundra orcs, like when, when Magnifico used to play them. And I just like, I'm, he's just on me on like turn two or three. And I, you know, I just feel like I don't have space to work with. And um, that's a good tip that maybe Guldun is the answer to, to your problem then. Yeah. I don't know. Guldun is the answer. Another answer is actually mind control. When you, when you see, I, I'm going to talk how to resp try to respond to that. Takulu needs to be looking at the opponent summoner, like <laughs> at the eyes. Like, see what Takulu moves with his Takulu shove in the deck is canceling the opponent summoner. What I mean is, if you see the opponent summoner approaching, Takulu needs to go meet him. Why? Well, if, if the opponent summoner is playing on your, on your side of the battlefield, you're going to lose. That's, that's true. I mean, that's... So you need to stop it. How do you stop it? Takulu needs to go meet him in the middle and start pinging them and threat that put him, the opponent summoner, in a situation where if he doesn't retreat, you're going to mind control his units and, and, and kill him. Uh, you, you can start not only with my counter, with my capture, you can start like the protecting units, start like capturing the units and, and hitting him. Uh, but that's the role of Takulu in the deck. Actually, if, if the opponent summoner doesn't come, I think Takulu should, I would say that Takulu is like the big boss that's waiting, that uh, needs to come out if the opponent summoner comes, but otherwise it needs to be waiting on the back just for the end game, because the other strength of, of Takulu is an amazing end game uh, summoner. If you get to the end game with full life, uh, Takulu is very, very scary, especially if you have some events, but I mean, without events. And I think anyone that faced Takulu at the end game knows how annoying it is that you send a unit and the unit gets control. And the thing is, at that stage, often it's very hard to manage the magic. So you take advantage of the magic you get from killing the unit. And Takulu doesn't mind because doesn't, I mean, yeah, it doesn't get the magic, but doesn't mind because there is no more magic to spend. No more cards, yeah. So yeah, often a lot of the games are end, uh, in the end game where after all the dust is is is, is off the battlefield, uh, the Kulu comes out, start capturing units, and wins the game like that. So it's a final boss. However, there are two situations to get the Kulu out of the of the big boss uh, castle, so to speak. Uh, one is when you see the opponent summoner coming, you need to go meet him meet, uh, wherever uh, the opponent summoner is coming. You, you can't let him uh, be in your doorstep. And mind control is uh, and mind capture are the two tools you need to to 
to put pressure on him. And the other is, I used the Kulu to... You need to control the, the front of the opponent gates. And if you can't put a deceiver there, you need to capture the unit and then put a deceiver there. That's the other role of mind capture. So yeah, th those are the roles. And that's a way you respond to... If the opponent puts a gate in the front of you, you need to quickly put a deceiver in the front of the, the gates. And if you can't for any reason, because there is a unit and you need to mind capture it, and then put a deceiver. But yeah, you, you, sh you shouldn't let the opponent have gates uh, close to you because you're going to lose. You, you can't fight, that's my point I said earlier, you can't fight at melee. If you fight at melee range, you're going to lose the game. So you mentioned a couple of their matchups, like Tundra Orcs. What do you think are their worst matchups and which ones do you think are their best? Uh, actually, the best matchups are the ones where where the summoners doesn't want to come to your side. I think if if you're playing the range game, you beat basically everything. I I think nothing. I I see, and this is going to be controversial because I see some people playing seven elves trying to beat me uh, with the seven elves at the range game, and I think I win most of the time. I don't think the seven elves can beat uh, the Kulu at the range game, but I think I see people keep keep trying. Maybe someone can show me that, will show me eventually that they can, but most of the time when someone else just tried to play with the breakers at range game, I'm like, okay, I mean, let's, um, let's do that. Uh, some people, I think it's some of the better players realize that uh, that doesn't work. And actually, the best strategy against Taikulu is just trying to put a lot of a boost on, on a Rhino and then do a big push and then use waving to keep uh, pumping out units, and then use that that uh, advance to move forward Abua and start putting gates forward. So it's a little more complex. That's the right strategy against breakers. The point is, if you want, if breakers can keep the distance, it wins every fight, in my opinion. Uh, in fact, one of the few decks that can actually fight uh, the cooler range is uh, the shadow elves. But then I was talking with Sip that he thinks that Breakers still win that fight. So any faction that has troubles uh, get uh, has troubles transforming the game into a melee game will have troubles against Tekulu. The worst matchups are the, the matchups where the summoner has good right tools to say, okay, this is going to be a melee game. And then Tekulu is just a disaster. And there are two matchups I'm thinking, especially with Resist 2. One is the Wifers. They're so fast that it's like the game starts and they're in your face. And you, you spend all your whole time playing at fighting a melee. This is, that matchup is a disaster for Takulu. Uh, I really don't like playing as, uh, as Takulu. It's also not really fun because it's just you're trying to survive. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, there is no. And the other is the Polar Dwarves. And there, there's two reasons for that. Uh, one is classical shift. I said that one of the ways you, you counter uh, your opponent trying to put gates in your territory is just sending Takulu in. But you, you, there is no counter to that when there is classical shift. Svar at some point say, okay, there's three gates in your face and you're dead. Uh, it's very hard. You need good loon very fast in that matchup. Uh, I, I could get into that matchup specific. Because I found a way to have a chance, but it's it's an awful matchup. Uh, there is no way around that. 
and Guldun is part of the, the answer. Actually, Guadarc, as I said earlier, is it's one possible answer if you, you for some reason you can play Guldun or after Guldun or. But uh, it's important to understand that the reason is that they're going to be uh, in your in your face. And uh, actually, mountain bargals depends a lot on when they get a ram, right? Uh, the other day I played a game against I don't remember against against Massimo, I think, and he did first turn ram, and I had like the summer on my face on turn one. Uh, yeah, I lost the game. I just I, if he if they ran turn one. And you have uh, like a lot of units and thunder in your face, uh, and then put the gates. Uh, it's going to be very, very hard to survive that. But uh, I think that the matchup. I didn't play enough, obviously. I think if you, I, I did play another another two games, but I think if you have time to to, to keep the distance, it can actually a very good matchup. If, if you have time to prepare for the ramp, so to speak. But if you don't have time. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very hard. Well, my point is, that's how basically you, you will find what are good matchups. If you can keep the distance, you win. If you if the opponent is, opponent is actually good at uh, closing space, it's going to be a hard matchup. Uh, actually, Cape Goblins is good at closing space, but that matchup is actually okay, because you have so many tools to deal with all the swarm. Like uh, There's one of the few matchups where Blast is actually very good. Uh, actually, the Seaver White Mesh combo is extremely good. Yeah, because you can just kill things with uh, by pushing, and also mind capture is very good. Yeah, mind capture is very good. Magic. Also, and, and incidentally, the champions are bad because you can mind capture them and yeah. make them retreat. Yeah, so, that, so that all uh, without that, it's an even an, an even matchup. Thanks to all that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention is that the event set of uh, there's there is something that I think uh, helps that breakers are not very popular. And I think uh, one the, I think the core of the fun of summer rewards are the events, and for without doubt the weakest event set in the game is the breakers. Like one event is good, which is perplexing tempest. And then the other three events are very situational, very situational. So you don't, it's not a faction about setting up big events and winning that whole game, which is how many factions are. And I think people enjoy that. But the fun, I think the fun of the Rakers is the Wine Mage. The reason I have fun with the Rakers is I think playing with the Wine Mage is, is like the most fun tool. But if you are a, a person that really enjoys setting up the big uh, turns or the big uh, events, right? Like Enrage, or uh, people clearly enjoy out of out of the shadow storms. Uh, then breakers are not going to be very fun because that uh, the events of the breakers are very are very situational tools. Except the perplexing tempest, that's the biggest maybe setup event. But the other three are very situational tools for very specific situations and roles. And the core where you have the fun is playing with the wine measures. And, yeah. and, the, and the mind which I mind which is very fun. I think copying enemy uh, every, because every matchup the mind which is a different unit, so to speak, right? There is always yeah. one unit you want to copy, and your opponent is like, okay, I want use this unit so he doesn't copy, but it uh, it's often happens that it's your best unit, so you you uh, yeah, like seeker in in uh, yeah Shred Wilds or something. Yeah, seeker or yeah, border archer. I mean, you're not going to use World of Archer. It's going to be complicated. I mean, that, <laughs> that's so. But 
Yeah, yeah, that's a big, a big, a big pro. Uh, and I think it's very fun trying to. Uh, um, it's very fun to use the mind witch with the other units. I, I think, I think that that's the, where the fun of the deck relies. That if you want a a, a a faction with big showy events, yeah, I think uh, the breakers are going to disappoint you. I, I think a lot of people try to to make it a lot about setting up blasts. Right and, and yeah, blast. It's, uh, it's a very fun event, and one day in the tournaments, make it zero cost. I love it, but with one cost, you should only use it in very specific scenarios. The the one thing I've found going back to what you were saying about like the events being very situational, I feel like when those situations come up, though, it's very satisfying and like can can really turn a game. Like sometimes when people are like crowding your gates or something and you play hypnotic call to pull a guy off the gate and then summon something in a spot your opponent thought they were safe, that that can really turn a game too. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I agree. Blast well blast blast often can do crazy things. Uh, it's very fun. I, I agree. Blast is I understand why show I don't think breakers need help. I think they're very I think one of the strongest factions. I'm mean, one of the strongest. They're in the middle, but a little above the middle right now. So it surprised me to me that the tournaments they try Blast Zero, because wh why you want to help a faction? And actually, if you see the last two tournaments with Blast Zero, they have like fifty six percent, fifty eight percent win rate. Yeah. So wh why you want to? Well, I for one one side, I'm like, why you want to help a faction that's already clearly strong? On the other hand, Blast Zero cost is so fun. I I just <laughs> it's. Because you can spend it, like, you don't need to find the perfect situation, right? You just... Just use it. <laughs> just use it. And uh, I think uh, it's very fun. So I, I'm sad that it costs one for the reason. But uh, if, if you're talking playing to win, you, should, you shouldn't you use it lightly. Spending two magic to that effect, it's, it's, it's only good in very specific scenarios. But it can win games for sure, for sure. Uh. Yeah, I, I mean... Talking about taking a, a middle faction and uh, buffing or nerfing them, I, I felt the same about Fungal Dwarves recently, but I mean, <laughs> that the one health on Koldak is here to stay, I guess, but... Honestly, I think with uh, one less health, the Fungal Dwarves are still, uh, are still uh, one of the best factions, especially, especially because they keep releasing factions, and, I don't know, if I had to guess, the average power level of the latest faction is below what it used to be. If people were worried about power creep, but I see the opposite. I see, what's the, the opposite of power creep? Um, power receipt? Power. power <laughs> <laughs> Stagnation? Or, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, 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 see the, I, I see the opposite. I think the, the average power level is going down. I don't know if it's, if it's a, a conscious thing or it's just by chance, but... The more factions are released, if they keep releasing at this level of power, Fungal Dwarves are still going to be at the top of all that. So I don't see why you people complain. I mean, they're just still very strong. Uh, I mean, I personally fact, I think they're like eighth or ninth best right now. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think you're the <laughs> only one to think that. I think most mm -hmm. people put him at least top five, at least. Uh, I mean, if we did like a personal tier list of like how good you are with a faction, they'd probably be in my bottom half. But I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be my top faction if we did a personal tier list because <laughs> they are my strongest faction. My, I mean, my worst is by far Fallen Kingdom, but I've played like ten games in my last thousand with them, so and that would probably be my second one. We're just opposites. <laughs> that's why. This, this is why we're. 
Yeah, where it works. <laughs> yeah, the league matchup this week, I was talking to Massimo, and it's like, I love this league matchup because it's two of my favorite factions and strongest factions. But I, yeah, I won't distract I from breakers yeah. anymore. Uh, water, <laughs> what or water D, what do you discard for magic with breakers? Because I feel like that's a question that a lot of new people often struggle with. I feel like I struggle with it sometimes with the breakers of like, oh, these events are so situational. These champs are really good, but a lot of magic. Like, I don't always know what to discard. Well, Gualark is a good it's a good card to discard. <laughs> then you follow uh, events. Like I said, they're situational, so you probably shouldn't... De- I mean, the first hypnotic call and blast are generally out very easily. Like, I should discard them. Probably also the first mind control. Uh, then just the second copy. Uh, it's a matter of how the games go. Also, gates. You don't need many gates. Generally, only someone one gate most of the time. Sometimes a second, but like the first gate can go, and often the second one. Uh, yeah, and should you then you probably discard like uh, wind archers. I can only have someone like two per game. It depends on the matchup, of course, right? A better matchup, or you're going to have more or less magic. So you have to. But uh, the wind archers tend to be only play one or two. Uh, is I don't know. Sorry, I'm just thinking. Like, is wind archer kind of a good answer to polar dwarves if they're not advancing on you? Because you can kind of yes, hit a parapet. The problem is really they're advancing at you. That, so that's <laughs> that's a, a, a weird situation. If they're not advancing to you, you're winning. The problem is they're going to advance <laughs> to you, right? I mean, uh, actually, when Archer is a good. I, I mean, the reason, one of the reasons you win the range game, I think this is important, so is because of Wind Archer. Usually, if someone won, but that one, it's not dark to die. You need to protect it like the. It will last you like a long time, right? You need to protect it with uh, the seers, pushing away with... I, I think this is uh, something important. If you play the wine archer just to send it to die, then that wine archer is useless, okay? If you need to do that, then use my mind witches. Mind witches are cheap and do almost the same damage. And surely if they come with an ability, they do more. The wine archer is the unit you summon to not die. If you think, okay, I'm going to summon this wine archer and then I'm going to date this turn, that is probably not the right... I mean, obviously, it's very... Summer Wars is a very situational game, but the way you think is, I'm going to summon this wine archer to keep it for the rest of the game. If you see my yeah. games of, of Rakers ever uh, in the tournament, you will see that it's summon a wine archer, and it's it probably alive for the rest of the game. It's just It doesn't die. Yeah, that, you can, like, you can discard them. them and then win mage and back behind something, yeah. Yeah, behind a, a gate or behind another yeah, deceiver. Behind gate or just bring a deceiver in front of them. Yeah. Uh, so, Sherry, I summon. So that's why I only summon one or two per game because I don't need more. Why if they don't die? Uh, they start to die when you run out of deceivers, and then, well, <laughs> uh, you probably need to start dying. Or there are some desperate situations, obviously, when they're pushing on you and you just send the wine archer to put pressure. Well, it's, it's, if you can go to specific scenarios, you can go uh, uh, ranting about an hour. But the, the, general, the general idea is that the wine archer is there to, to live for many turns. But that because of that reason, you only need one or two. And that, so I discard two in general. However, sometimes versus, versus some factions, 
I often mismanage the magic and I discard two and then I realize I end the game with too much magic. So that can happen, so you should be careful. So to recap, basically you'll price discard at least half your advance and a couple wind mages or wind mm, archers. Wind archers. And, yeah, I'll and one or two of the twelve copies of the good oh, yeah, guns. And then Guarlark every game pretty much. Yes, and then, and, try, and then try one to gate at least, I never used the on the three gates, so the first gate can go very easily. Oh, yeah. Well, because you're not advancing on your opponent most of the time, so you don't have, like, as yeah, good places the, to put the gates. And, mostly and gates do... in the way of you attacking, right? So The gates are mostly to... Yeah, that, that's something I see people do with Rakers that we go see that people do as a mistake. Is they move Takuli forward and that place in forward gates. I don't get it. Why, why, why people do that? I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's no reason to that. I mean, it's okay. It's okay if you like do that. If the opponent comes with a summoner and you need to face Takulu with your with his her own advance, and then in the advance you need to protect her, then you summon a gate next to her to protect the flank. I, I mean, that's okay. But you you don't have as a goal to to summon a forward gate. Summoning you don't want to, your units to be forward. So you want a gate, Charlie, and often it's one of the factions where I summon a gate on the first row, just to have a like a a, a summoning spot on the first row uh, and keep the units range. But yeah, Charlie has okay. one gate. The first gate, I mean, I use a HU. I'm bad with the letters HU. Gate, which is where I, the house where I protect my wine archer, and then uh, I summon another gate just on the right to have a summoning spot, and then that that it's very rare that I summon the third gate. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. What common mistakes do you see people besides what you've already mentioned, like making with the breakers? I think I mentioned most most mistakes. I think the fact that they they played as melee. I'm trying to think of something else, but uh, I, I think I, I I I named them all. I just <laughs> uh, play them as melee. Don't play them as melee. Keep the distance. Uh, understand how to the the hardest thing to do the cool is understand how to deal with people trying to put gates on your side. I, I don't know if that's a mistake, but that's something you need to focus. I I, I don't have it solved. Like. I don't say I have I know who to do it perfectly, but uh, that's the hardest part. Because if you can keep the opponent from coming to your side, you're going to win. Uh, if you can avoid people putting a gate on your side, you're going to win. So that's your focus. I, I don't say it's easy, but you should. And maybe uh, I should learn how to use more Wallark, actually. Uh, I, I, I'm not using it, but may, maybe there are scenar more scenarios than I found. Or Golarg is actually good. Uh, I just don't find them. But but yeah, I think that uh, another mistake, like I said, is using the events very lightly. People use the events not call and blast, and the situations where they're not getting much value. And the truth is that it's very hard to get value from them. So just accept it and discard them if you feel fine. They're mostly used to. For very specific situations on the defense to get out of troubles, and then uh, mostly to find situation to assassinate the opponent. Actually, it's very hard because they're very they're very 
specific scenarios where they work. But yeah, often they, they, I, I think people overuse those events because I think people want to have fun with events. So they're, they're sad that, oh, okay, every event they have, discard them. So yeah, I, I think you should uh, try to Try to only use them if you really find a good value in them, and it's going. To, it's not easy to find the value, honestly. Yeah, I think that's one of the mistakes I often make with breakers is I'll hold on to events for too long because I've had those situations where I've won games with the events and like I've seen how powerful they can be. So I'll be like, oh, like what if I need blast like next turn? And then I'll be like, well, what if I need it the turn after that? And then <laughs> well, I've held it for like four turns, and I'm like, this has just destroyed my hand. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's why the first blast is always goes. Uh, almost always goes. Uh, the, same, the, the same, the first hypnotic call. Uh, so I, I try to keep... If it's my second last, I, I struggle to discard it. Because as you said, especially like the end game, it starts to become a lot better. Because often helps you finish the game. Uh, but the first the blast is very easy to go, in my opinion. And I'd probably even say the same for mind control, because sometimes you're hanging back and you, you know you're not going to use it for the next two or three turns, so you should probably discard it, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually the same. It's, it's, I try to save my second mind control, because actually in the end game, it's often very, very good card. It just wins the game. <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. like... Because <laughs> what people happens forget about the game... Say, they're like, I don't okay, think that's going to happen. Shall I the open yeah. summoner? Because really, mind control works. I often use mind control early game if I'm getting pushed to get out of the situations. I think just a recent game against Mountain Bargat. Uh, I did that. I had a lot of my face and then just use mind control and make them kill each other, which I like. But that's not a very common use. Don't, don't try to. I mean, it's a very fun use, but don't try to find it because it's very unusual scenario. But in the end game, eventually, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much the opponent wants to get the summoner in the corner. Eventually, if the game goes long, summoner needs to go out, and then it's where all this 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 events work, right? When the when the opponent summoner just needs to expose itself, and that's where Takulu is at. And mind control is very annoying, for, especially against a melee summoner, because uh, yeah, just you can just ping him, and he needs to come alone if he needs with help with. Commons or God forbid champions. Uh, well, mind control will will just kill him. So yeah, I think mind control is actually good. But the problem is, I'm talking like twelve, right? <laughs> so the first eleven turns, mind control to probably not going to find a great use. Water, do you also make a lot of videos on YouTube on your YouTube channel, which is Water D? Um, do you have any upcoming videos or any, I know you were talking about in the community, a uh, potential tier list upcoming, anything you want to give us a sneak peek on that or? Yes, I, I want to make uh, at least the, the faction tier list. I was thinking, uh, I, I, I was almost ready to do it. And then the new factions were released and I don't want to do it until, until I have a good, mm -hmm. um, a good idea how strong those two factions are. So yeah, I'm reserving, I think in like one or two weeks, depends on how much I play, I will be feeling like I have a good idea of how powerful they are. Because I'm changing my mind, like I said early on, very fast on them. Like at first I thought like, 
the Crimson Order was clearly better than the Mountain Vargas, and now I think uh, I think the Crimson Order are worse than the Mountain Vargas. So I know I'm, I'm still I'm playing a lot. I'm playing like a lot of games. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait. You're like 200 ELO above the next person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or 300. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm playing a lot. And so I think in one week, two max, I'm going to release. Uh, I'm trying to think how deep I, I'm. I'm trying to change. I'm. I'm releasing and starting to change how I make some content. Like, for example, the guides. I used to. I'm writing a, a guide for the polar dwarves again, because they are. It's outdated, and right. I noticed ice that. What? Because ice ram has changed, yeah. right? And and events, active events, and everything. And yeah. The problem is when I started the guides, the idea was that they were very like introductory guides. But I'm starting to realize that people, the people that read them, want more than just introduction. I mean, for some talks I had. So I'm trying to make it a little more in depth, but I don't want to make a super in depth guide because I think those are super niche and nobody wants to read them in general, except like the very crazy uh, niche people like me. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm trying to make. The, uh, the the more guys, I, I'm trying to find the right spot between an, a, a very superficial guide and a very in-depth guide, and that's the same with the tire video. I I, I know if you want just want to tireless, I just can put it on, on on like obviously in tire maker and just upload, which I I've done a few times. But I want to talk about why I, 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 my idea. I'm trying to figure out what I what I want exactly from the guide. Uh, from the video, uh, my idea was that what I want is I want any people that sometimes people come often send me a PM. Uh, hey, I see that you think that faction is strong or weak. Why? They they want to ask me why. This happens uh, every 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 so often. And yeah, I want to have like a site where people say, okay, they want to know why I think that faction is not as strong or what's the strongest. And uh, like some people are, were surprised at some point that I think vanguards are weak, right? That for 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 you too, I I I know that that's not a, a surprise why they're weak, but some people are surprised. And yeah, I want to have a side where anyone not not to see the whole video, but can go to any faction, right? And go and say, okay, why this faction is considered strong or weak? But yeah, I'm thinking how how in depth I want to go. I think that's very. Very hard thing to figure out how, how in depth you want to go into. There is a point a point where it's just too shallow, and a point where things get too just too niche, and people just stop reading or listening. So yeah, I'm working on that in my mind. Well, we talked yeah. to Massimo the other day, and he told us that the most read or clicked on guide, at least on SW Zone, is still the Beginner's Guide by Eldritch Noodles. So. That says something that there's still a lot of beginners just reading the the first stuff to take in and yeah that, uh, uh, that's good I know yeah something that surprised me a little is that actually the content I make is for other players like I I just make the content because uh, in first glance I, I don't make it for anyone I just make it for me I just enjoy <laughs> thinking and talking out loud about uh, things summer wars that's the truth. But I mean, that's why we're here, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just basically. So, but I, I've been surprised by some comments on YouTube or some comments in private 
that more beginners read my content than I or is interested in my content than I thought. So I now I feel like more responsible of my content, so to speak, because I want new players to come to the game. Um, actually, someone that I don't know if I should talk for uh, for for him told me that the reason they got interested in Summer Wars was because uh, watching my content, which I was surprised me that he didn't know Summer Wars. I don't know how he got there. I mean, it was in some interest, and I, I don't know. I feel no. I feel like I have more responsibility, you know. It's just uh, if someone gets into the game because my content, then I feel like I, I should make it attractive enough for a beginner, despite being interesting enough for 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 a veteran. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a tough question to answer, but I hope, but I I do look forward to when you make it again. Um, and it's kind of the same thing for us too. I think is to to walk the line between something that someone could jump in on, or and it's it's like the question of when to attack the summoner. Hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, that, that's an important thing to talk about the breakers. Uh, I think one of the reasons I, uh, I like the breakers, I think they're very interesting, is because they're a very defensive range faction. But you need to know when to counterattack. When it's time to champ, start to assassinate the opponent summoner. Right, like you say, when you start attacking the summoner, that's a very important question for the Rakers. Uh, I, I love factions that have to switch to, okay, I was this plan, and now I'm going to do a full switch. That's why I played Polar Dwarves. Polar Dwarves are the master of that. Polar Dwarves are very, like, I, I, I'm here, like, in my, in my fortress, and I'm just going to just fight this range game, and suddenly in a turn is snap. I'm going to advance my whole fortress and be in your face and just smother over you. I love that those factions that do that. Uh, another faction that does that is Ava, but actually I'm not good at, at, at her for some reason. I, I played a hundred games with her and I still don't win that much. <laughs> but they, they are yeah. like that. You need to be like... The point is, yeah, when to switch, I think it's a very important thing you need to learn as breakers. And I think I personally think that factions that need to think about that a lot are very fun. Uh, that, uh, instead of like I know wildfires, where it's just well, I have to attack all the time and hope I win enough fast enough. Yeah, I want to watch more of Shampoo's games because he's said that he thinks of wildfires as being a more long-term faction sometimes, uh, and that you have to play around uh, Seek the Horizon. But he seems to think they're more dynamic than we give him credit for. But I don't know. I would I would love to see that. I I know that some people know I don't like wafers. <laughs> I have a, a grilled chicken stamp, and because of, I agree, their games are fun. I have fun with their games. Uh, when when I play against wafers, I'm having fun. So I think ultimately that's all that matters. That's why I don't think they're terrible. But they're so. The problem is from turn one, I know exactly what's going to happen, pretty much. Uh, strategically, I mean, it doesn't have like big turns. It doesn't have like it's just it's going to go, be Celeste coming at me at full speed, and I'm me trying to survive. That's the game. And uh, yeah, I I I think the Summer Wars too something that is great with many factions is that many factions are not like that. Uh, most factions are not like that. They have like and they are hard to play against because you don't know what they're going to do. Like the, like I said with the Polar Dwarfs. When it's going to come that glass shift that shifts the game, right? Uh, maybe it becomes a full range game. I have played games again. I don't do that. I, I'm going. I mean, 
I mean, I shouldn't tell this to my opponents, but yeah, I'm going to shift at some point. You're going to see my Fortress Advance. But this is some people just played range game the whole game. And with, with, there, there isn't like that with wafers. They're just going to come at you. There is no other threat. There is no... And that's what, what I'm noticing with Crimson Order. I'm actually going to start playing Crimson Order to try to find if there is another path, because I can't believe that's the only path. I think that they have tools for other strategies. But the point with Wayfarers is that they have only one strat, and it's just that. So it would be amazing to see if, uh, if Shampoo finds a way to say, okay, that's not true. They have other ways to, to, to play the game. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it would be good even for the game, more than the faction, to see that they can add more than, uh, than just a pure aggression. I'm sure uh, Shampoo will... will uh... Be anxiously awaiting your tier list to debate where you place the Wayfarers. Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to debating where you place some other factions. I always enjoy uh, the debate around the tier list, even if I don't agree with where people place them. Like, Shampoo placed Wayfarers, like, third best or something? S tier? Well, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, to... I don't mind spoiling my tablet. I mean, if anyone wants to know some my thing about some faction, I give it. Uh, so I think Wafers actually have fallen from my tablet quite a bit. In fact, I consider them like a B-tier right now. Uh, because, yeah, I think they, they the more people are learning how to deal with aggression, they are just more disappointing every time. So, yeah, I don't think they are good. So if Shampoo thinks they're asked, we are going to have maybe even a match to see... <laughs> uh, or a few matches to see. I, I always love to do that. People don't like when I do that. When I see, okay, let's you, come play me. People feel like I'm very inco- too confrontational. But yeah, I think that's it's like, like it says to me. Games are like a, like like philosophy discussion. Uh, I, I like to philosoph- philosophy a lot, and in philosophy you you should bring your argument and let's debate it. And the way we debate in strategy games is in a match. That's how we debate. Uh, I love to do it. So. Yeah, I like to play good. against people that disagree with me to show me why I'm wrong, and sometimes I am. So it's always interesting and fun to see. So I see. I like to play against you just to challenge myself. I don't necessarily think I'm going to be right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, th- that is the problem. I, I agree that there is the argument, and I actually had that discussion with with Silin, which mentioned early, which is a problem, right? Because in this argument, the problem is sometimes your arguments. Are well, it's it's the same in the debate. Sometimes you have maybe the right ideas, but you don't have the right data, or you don't, you don't know how to debate. And that's the same with some wars or any strategy game. Sometimes you have the right idea. Maybe you know some part of your brain realize that that faction is actually very strong, but you don't have the skill, the tactical skill, or just some skill that allows you to to show it. And yeah, I'm I'm conscious. I'm not saying when I win a match or when, when when we have these arguments in strategy games when we play that if I win clearly. I mean, so far that's what we see. But I understand that that uh, uh, like, I mean, not the other yeah. side. I mean, in games where I feel like something is strong, but when I play against a better player, they just destroy me because because they could destroy me with any faction or any. I mean, I mean there. Yeah. So I know. And and always the dice can can mess you up too, because I, I I played because oh. I I played like three games against your against you, two against Savannah Elves and one against the Polar Dwarves. And in the Polar Dwarves game, I counted. I think I went eight out of twenty on Svara. So like, although I guess if I did better the first turn, you might have backed off more and not left her up. But it was just like, 
I, you know, I couldn't execute even the plan I was trying to do, you know? <laughs> well, I want to say two things about that. The first is that's something, the first thing that you said, uh, what Howard will play Swara if, if she will be hit. That's something that happens a lot with some testers or some people that they play that they think like, like they weren't like, if they were more lucky with my summoner, uh, my summoner will be dead. But I'm like, if you will be lucky against my summoner, my summoner, I would have done different things. Uh, like, you would have backed off, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will push my summoner as long as he's healthy. As long as he's not being healthy, well, I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to play different. That doesn't make, doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the second point is, well, that is not a problem because we could keep arguing, so to speak. I mean, seeing <laughs> arguing in terms of playing, and eventually the dice is going to be even out. Now, if it's a problem of skill, we can play uh, 200 games and it's going to be the same. Uh, <laughs> so that, the, the dice isn't a problem. Uh, well, I think. I'm not saying, I don't think it's a problem in general, but like some, sometimes you're just, you, get, you can get frustrated, and I try not to get tilted about stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say that sometimes when we have these arguments, so to speak, with uh, Canela, I played a lot of him with him, but we had good talk uh, outside of Summer Wars. Uh, he always gets frustrated. He gets frustrated when he wants to prove me a point and feels that he loses because of luck. He gets very frustrated, and I, I think that's not a good idea to see it. I mean, I just, well, I, especially because it's not like I'm going to, oh, I, I beat you. I know you're wrong. I'm just saying, well, so far you haven't shown me, but you, you're going to have a next time. I mean, you can keep trying. I mean, just I, I think, I think uh, every belief is only true as far uh, as every belief is true. I don't know how to say this in English, but every belief is true for now. Like uh, there is, a, there is a, a, a still proven otherwise, or yeah, but basically, uh, there is an astronomer who said in an interview that I love that he said, who said the only truths we have are provisional. That the, the only truths we have is are provisional. That is, we only have provisional truths, truths that we have, and to prove otherwise. Basically, what you said, and yeah, that's how you see. I mean, I, I know what, 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 you will get frustrated for losing for now for feeling that you couldn't prove your point. You have more tries, and it's not like I will at some point close my mind and say, okay, it's subtle. Like <laughs> it's it's like this way. No, it, I'm just always open. So you, you keep trying until obviously I'm not going to change my mind until I see. A reason to. <laughs> I mean, you heard it here first. You beat Water D one time with any faction, and he'll <laughs> change his mind that that's the strongest faction. Um, but Water D, we appreciate having you on and coming and talking about breakers, giving us the tips to make those stronger breaker plays. Anything else you want to say to the community or anywhere else they can find you? No, really. Uh, no, I have the YouTube ch the YouTube channel. But I'm not, so, uh, I will, I mean, if you're in the Discord server, which is where I think most people are, you're going to find my posts when I post them on the YouTube channel. All right, sounds good. We appreciate your being here. And this has been another episode of Discard for Magic. We'll see you guys in two weeks.